Good morning, Boker Tov, and welcome back to our 10 Minutes of Meaning series, generously sponsored this year by Lenny Achani Grunstein, and memory of Chani's father, Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak, whose neshama should have an aliyah. The Ramchal, the great Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, has been charging us, giving us the formula, giving us the uh, prescription for how to live a life of our best selves, how to conquer the temptation, the inertia, the drive, the appetite that will lead us in the wrong way and sabotage our success, and how to acquire the kinds of attributes and qualities that in fact will lead to our success. We began by looking in depth at the quality of zahirus, mindfulness, caution, consciousness, how to be present in every thought, speech, and decision that we make, every behavior, every act that we do. The then moved over to Zerizus. Once we've learned the mindfulness and the caution, how to unleash our alacrity, our zeal, our enthusiasm, set goals and go achieve them and accomplish them. And now we've been studying Midas HaNikias, how to identify the kryptonite in our own lives, how to see the parts of our own lives that could be responsible for our downfall and how to eliminate them in areas of promiscuity and in areas of honesty and integrity and most recently in areas of eating. And that's where we are in Perak Yud Aleph. Not only are categorically non-kosher animals forbidden to us, in other words, it's not just the pig, it's not just the animal that doesn't have the criteria for it to be determined to be kosher, but even an animal that is in the category of being kosher, but it meets its demise in an unkosher way, it didn't undergo a proper shechita, a ritual slaughter, it too is forbidden to us. You don't have to know the difference between a donkey and a cow. A cow is a potentially kosher animal, a donkey is not. So why does it say, the Torah, that you're only allowed to eat that which is tahor pure and not that which is tameh impure? Because it means even an animal that falls into the category of being potentially kosher, but if it didn't die in a kosher way, if the animal had an illness, and simply uh, had an end of life, if the animal was hit by a car, if the animal was hunted, it's not eligible to be kosher. It has to be done with shechita. And shechita has five conditions to it, which are incredibly sensitive and nuanced. The difference between cutting the majority of the windpipe and of the esophagus, the rabbis say, is the difference of a hair's breadth. You know, the shochet slaughters the big cow. And he says, you know, my knife got stuck for a, for a moment, a millisecond of time. I added a drop too much pressure. Do you know that I cut a little too little, not enough? That would invalidate. The cost, the value of that whole cow is so much less, is so different than if the shechita were done properly. And yet, that little amount, the little amount of pressure, the little amount of time, the little amount that's cut is the difference between kosher and non-kosher. Because the rabbis want us to understand that kashras is all about harnessing our sense of discipline. And it's not just about whether the, the ingredients meet the criteria of being kosher, but it's a matter of how much we eat and when we eat and why we're eating. We're supposed to be eating to live, not living to eat. Food is the fuel that drives us to be able to accomplish who we're meant to be and lead the lives, the difference we're meant to make. 
But when our relationship with food is unhealthy, is dysfunctional, when food is providing us comfort or an escape, when we're eating at hours we shouldn't, or eating well beyond when we're full, or eating foods which are going to shorten our lives, then not only is it an unhealthy and dysfunctional relationship with food, it's a suicidal relationship with food. And I'm not saying this as an outsider, I'm saying this as somebody who my whole life, until today, struggles with eating uh, right, with a diet and a healthy lifestyle. I love food. I love the taste and I love the, the aroma and I love the crunch and I love the variety and I love the diversity and I love food. And I struggle with that notion of the comfort in it. And that's why that's a daily battle. Lechem milchama, bread and war. Every time we eat, we're going to war. Every time we withhold from eating, we are in a vicious battle. What will win? Who will triumph? The godly soul, the disciplined soul inside us, or the animal instinct, the animal impulse, the animal craving who just wants to indulge. What will be, who will drive us? Let me give you a little help. Let me give you a mindset. Let me give you a lifestyle that'll help and empower you to conquer that temptation, that urge, that instinct, and to make the right choices in your eating. You have to see food as either potentially containing poison, it will kill you, it will compromise you, it will cause you great pain, or food can be the fuel, the energy that drives you, the energy that elevates you. It is the battery that enables you to go. You know, if you ever had a negative reaction to food, if you're lactose intolerant, if you're allergic to dairy, if you're gluten-free, if you're celiac, and you know what that food does to you, you know the pain it puts you in, you know the hospitalization, God forbid, it may have, it may have compromised you with, then you're not even tempted to eat that food again. You look at it at the enemy. You see that food is trying to bring about your, your demise, your end. It's not even a struggle. So says the Ramchal, we need to look at food, the amount of food or the timing of food or the ingredients of food, even if they're all technically kosher. But if they're in kosher, unkosher in their impact on us, we have to see it as poison. You have to say, I would never put that in my system. There's no nutritional value. Or I'm full. There's no reason to continue to eat that. Or this is the time I'm about to go to bed. Why would I fill my belly with food that will just sit there all night? A person will never be lenient. So if a person flirts with eating poison, let's say somebody tells you, you know, there's a warning that went out from a certain company and a certain amount of its food um, has cyanide in it. There's a poison that got mixed in. So there's a recall on that food. And you go to your cabinet, you go to your pantry, you go to your refrigerator and you say, I don't remember when I bought this or where I bought this. I'm not sure if it's subject to the recall or not. I'm hungry. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to press my luck. Russian roulette. I'm going to eat it, not check the label, and I don't know if it's subject to the recall or not. Who in their right mind would do such a thing? Even the person who is a risk taker would never do such a foolish thing. They would understand they would be labeled a real moron, a real food. If something potentially contains poison, if it can contaminate you, if it can compromise you, if it can sabotage you, you don't have to harness some major willpower to overcome it. Hopefully you're not even drawn and you have no temptation to eat it. Says the Ramchal, that should be our attitude to the foods that harm us. If a food has nutritional value, if it's energizing you, nourishing you, if it's good for you, if it'll give you the energy to go be your best and have your best day, then eat it. Eat it judiciously and eat it and enjoy it. It doesn't have to be unflavored. We don't live on bread alone. Enjoy a flavor. Delicious. 
but a person should look at and examine and reflect and be mindful of every morsel we put in our mouth. Not only does it meet the strict criteria of kashrus, but does it meet the criteria of a healthy life. Non-kosher ingredients, even more than only harm us and compromise our health and well-being, but the non-kosher ingredient contaminates our soul. It is in fact poison for the soul. Put a knife to your gullet if you possess intelligence. If you want to know whether someone's smart or not, don't check their IQ. Don't ask them for their SAT score or their college transcripts. If you want to know how intelligent somebody is, don't look at their bank account and don't check how much they've accomplished or how many friends or followers they have online. Says the Ramchal, quoting Shlomo HaMelech, if you want to know how intelligent someone is, look at their eating. Look at their lifestyle when it comes to food. Now, I understand there are genetic predispositions. I'm not uh, judging chas v'shalom. There are genetic predispositions that make it difficult to eat right or to be the right weight. And as I said, I'm an insider. I've struggled with this my whole life. I'm talking to you as somebody who's on the team of those who are working on it, not somebody who has no temptation and can look on the outsider and judge who has, who has no desire. But I'm saying what the Shlomo Melech, what the Ramchal is telling us is we can. We can harness our self-control, our discipline, our integrity. We have that ability to say no, to be much more choosing, much more intentional, much more judicious and mindful in all that we put into our system to give us an energy that drives us and not to put in anything that would compromise us. And in fact, whether we harness that capacity, whether we use that mindfulness, whether we draw that strength to make those right decisions, will say so much about us. And by the way, I have to tell you, as somebody who has struggled and go through periods of undiscipline and periods of discipline, when you're disciplined, when late at night you're rummaging through the cupboard looking for that bag of potato chips and you say, you know what, why would I put that in my system right before I go to bed? I don't need that, I don't want that. The satisfaction and the joy of expressing discipline is in fact much more delicious than anything you gave up in the process. It's just that your, your appetite is trying to trick you and fool you in that moment. It's trying to make you believe you need to eat it. So those are the moments of truth. That's lechem and melchama. That's tarach lefanai shulchan neged sorerai. Where are my enemies? Neged shulchan. They're at the table. There's a beautiful chsam sofer, which we'll end with for today. Chassam Sofer, my friend and colleague, Rabbi Blumenthal, shared with me. Chassam Sofer is back in Parshas Bechukosai. At the beginning of Parshas Bechukosai, the Torah gives us the blessings. If we live a proper lifestyle, we are blessed. Your threshing will last until the vintage, until your, your wine crop is ready, your grapes are ready to be taken, and your vintage until the next planting, and you'll eat your bread, la sova, with so says the Chassam Sofer, commenting on this Pasuk. He says, you know, Sometimes overeating is not good for you. And so being wealthy and having access to all kinds of foods and delicacies and quantities and diversity can in fact be a curse, not a blessing. In fact, the Chassam Sofer says, he observes, I don't know if it's true, People who have less means, people who are underprivileged, 
are sometimes healthier. They haven't overindulged. Their cholesterol and blood pressure is better. And people who are incredibly wealthy, who can stuff their face with all kinds of delicacies and treats, unfortunately, therefore, are often uh, less healthy. Because they have access to unlimited amounts of food and varieties of food, people are less healthy. So says the Chassam Sofer, you know what the biggest bracha is? Hashem says, You'll learn to eat only until you're full. Stop eating when you're full. That's the biggest bracha. Hisig lachem batzir, and so on. But even though you'll have all that quantity of food, that your threshing will last until the vintage and the vintage, until the sowing, even though you'll have that enormous quantity of food, nevertheless, v'achaltem lachmachem lasova. You'll have the capacity to stop eating when you're full. I mentioned last time, the raivid had a great practice, the tainus raivid. He would leave over the last morsel of whatever he was eating. And it wasn't a waste because it was harnessing and cultivating that sense of discipline within himself. He didn't have to lick the plate. He didn't have to eat yummy till the last drop. He intentionally left over the end of whatever he was eating to make the statement, not to others, but to himself, that I own the food, the food doesn't eat me. That I'm eating to live, I don't live to eat. That achaltem lachmachem lasova, I'm full. I don't need another portion. I don't need extra. I don't need to keep going just because it's here or just because it tastes good or just because it makes me feel good. I only eat in order to live. I don't live in order to eat. And with that, the Ramchal finishes this section of Nikias, the notion of the battle of food and what it says with us, our area of discipline in this area of life. And he describes, We'll continue, please God, next week as he'll describe to us some of the behaviors we need to be mindful of, we need to work on when it comes to social interactions as social animals, how we treat others, how we speak, what we... Uh, how we choose to make people feel. Mitzvah Shem will continue next week. Have a wonderful Yantif, a great Shabbos, happy, healthy, and holy. We continue with Living with Amuna in 15 minutes, right back here on the same Zoom channel or on the same YouTube, slash Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. Please subscribe on YouTube, and uh, we'll be back, please God, in 15 minutes. Have a great day.